Hello and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire and complain about its awful adaptation, Game of Thrones, because I'm running out of adjectives. This is where being a book snob is a good thing. My line never changes. Julia. Hi. And we are here from the future. The future. Because um actually that's not true at all. It's definitely the past, but the future for what this recording is. Yeah. So we recorded this episode like three weeks ago before we started writing Cheryl's Landing. It took us a long time because it was really long. Um Yeah. And we decided <laughs> to split it up because we want to keep our listeners sane. Yeah, so I linked the, the, the podcast, I'll link it, and the podcast that came right before this is the Cheryl's Landing recap, mm-hmm. um, all the events in the King, King's Landing plotline in season six of Game of Thrones. Uh, what you're about to listen to is the analysis of Cheryl's Landing, and this is sort of like the rough analysis, cause it's us talking through it yeah. before writing the essay. Uh, so maybe this is a good experience, maybe this is a really bad experience. Yeah. I don't know. Should we like shit? Because this is a separate podcast. Should we do the fandom names again? Um, I mean, we don't use that many. All we have, like, the thing that's confusing is that we we tend to be a little fast and loose with Carol and Cheryl. Yeah, well, I mean, because that confuses us too. When yeah. when exactly she did emerge from, you know, the chrysalis. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, she shed the exoskeleton. Is what it is. Yeah, she we had Cheryl. we had a discussion about this. I recall. But no, as far as I'm concerned, Carol and Cheryl and Larry are the only confusing names, Mm -hmm. and those refer to Cersei Lannister and Jaime Lannister, and that's because they're just totally different characters than they are in the books. Well, everyone is. Mm. But, like, they're just, they're Carol and Larry. Yeah, the rest of them are pretty self-explanatory. Like, hi, Grandpa, you can probably figure that out. Um, Yeah. Poor Spoonella. Yeah, Spoonella is funny. She's the one with the spoon. We're not even consi- we're not even consistent about how we use it in a podcast. No. Really, I think we're just confusing because we talk at an, an alarming rate. Yeah, and and this is like very raw and uncut. We're just like let's talk about Game of Thrones, just like the media is obsessed with doing. Yeah, dude. Like I, I'm assuming this podcast is still going to be over an hour, but there's mm-hmm. at least five minutes of just dead air <laughs> of us sitting and trying to be like, huh. <laughs> So I'll cut, I'll do my best to cut that out, but this, yeah. I'll actually have to listen to this. Um, I want to like jump in here just cause like there's no way to do this organically. So let's just do it. There's like two pieces of news lately that have really amused us about Game oh, of Thrones. Oh yes. Like the casting, yeah, the, the casting calls really haven't started, but we did have one bit of casting news. It's going to be old by the time. Yeah, that's true. But, this, but yeah. 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 Um, so this actor, Jim Broadbent, who apparently has an Oscar, is going to have a significant role in season seven. Significant, just like the good role for Euron and yeah. Polly. This is reading the casting calls for season six is hilarious. Like they're talking about how like Papa Tarly was going to have a significant. Oh, role. oh, season five, you mean? Yeah, season six. 
Oh, yeah, yes. Sorry. Oh, my God. Because we're going into a Stevenson 7. Oh, I hate everything. Oh, I really hate everything. And there's, like, a bunch of casting calls. We have no idea who the fuck we're supposed to be referring to. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, talk. there's, um, let me find the one. Hold on. This will take three seconds. Yeah, this is my favorite one. Mm-hmm. Rugged Pirate. This character stands up in a crowd, makes himself heard, and has a lot of forceful dialogue in a scene with lead casting members. He was scheduled to shoot the same week in Northern Ireland, Ireland as the filming with Euron and Aaron. So he's not either of them. Yeah. He's a, a rugged pirate with forceful dialogue. I remember there being like a few like assholes at the King's Road who like said a few lines, right? Forceful? But not especially memorable. But like, I know, I, I want to make like some predictions because I'm, I'm still on that high from my like four, what was it? Four out of six, uh, correct predictions for the Tower of Joy. Joy. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. Which was so funny because you, you listed six predictions and then you said I'd be shocked if four out of six of these weren't correct. Yeah. And you got exactly four <laughs> out of six of them. <laughs> but, um, here, here's the Euron description just to show you what we're basing predictions on. Pirate. Man in his forties to late fifties. He's an infamous pirate who has terrorized the sea around the world. Cutting, ruthless, and a touch of madness. He's dangerous looking. Very good part this season. Is that Euron? Yes. He's supposed to be 40 to 50? 40 to late 50s. They cast a man who's like 35. And he he's looks younger be, than that. He's supposed to be dangerous looking. And it's a very good part this season. They didn't even just say a very good part. They said specifically a very good part this season. Yeah. Like, I love that time he talked about his deck. <laughs> I mean, I suppose we can be charitable and say that they're setting up shit with Euron and it's going to be awesome, but. Okay. It's very, but very yeah, good I, I just want to make a prediction about this significant role okay, that this well, Oscar you, winning actor will play. Did you read, uh, do you want me to read the description of it? Cause that would. Okay. Well, actually, no, all it says is that it's Jim, Br- I'm sorry, all it says is that yeah, Jim Br- all the BB- and it's significant. No, I just, like, I want to point out the fact that the BBC, probably the most respected news outlet in the world, is posting shit about Game of Thrones casting news on its front page in September. Which is, like, supposed to be, like, the most off-off season for Game of Thrones. Yeah, and especially um, for season seven, because it's, uh, what, it's it's getting pushed to, like, June, right? I have no idea. Because it's going to be eight episodes, seven episodes? Mm-hmm. Seven episodes. Some, it, it's seven too many, but okay. Yeah. So what what do you think Jim Broadbent's significant role will be? Um, I think it will be um, an original character, and mm-hmm. I think it will be in one episode. Those are my predictions. One episode, okay. And he mm. will be very happy because he has a new clip for his reel. Because I'm leaning towards original character, too. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are saying Marwin. Marwin, who's supposed to be like built like a weightlifter? Okay, well... Who have they cast that looks anything like they're supposed to look? Okay, but you would think that they would suck up that kind of Marwin thing, where he's like, I'm all about hookers and punching people, and I'm also a wouldn't maester. You, yeah, well, wouldn't you think that he would have cast Euron, like, to look like Euron? Mm. With an eye patch? Maybe he'll be that guy, uh, that uh, Archmaester who uh, Pate has to clean his underwear. What's his face? <laughs> I would, the only reason I'm leaning against Marwin is because I'd actually be surprised if they bothered putting any effort into that storyline. Yeah. Into Sam's storyline specifically, I think I think it's an original character, mm-hmm. or, or we'll read Winds of Winter and be like, "That's who this is." Okay. A la Septon Ray. I hope he has a name. <laughs> so, s- someone suggested that it's going to be Maester Chad. <laughs> 
I support this. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. Jim Broadbent, like, not just because he played Slughorn, he really does look like a teacher. He looks yeah. like he was born to play a teacher's role. For sure. So, there's that. Um, but, like, a teacher I, at an old, like, British, like, public school. Who never married and <laughs> wears sweater vests. <laughs> Uh, hmm. I will predict he's in a couple of episodes. Okay. Like, a, literally a couple, or? Like, two, two. And he gets killed off. Alright. Yeah. I would predict, no, although, because that's what they do with female characters. I don't know. Well, they did that with Ray. They did that with Ray, and he was just in one. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. There's just so much potential for how bad this is gonna be. <laughs> I love it. Okay. What's the second, what's the second piece of news? It's about my girl! My girl, oh, Michelle Clapton. I said this to Julia, like, She's first thing back. when I woke up, because I read it. She's back. I guess read they the thing, read the with, thing. <laughs> I guess they weren't happy with April What's-Her-Face. <laughs> All right, so here's this. In another item of behind-the-camera Thrones news, the showrunners are mel- welcoming back costume designer Michelle Clapton for season seven. The Emmy winner was in charge of the show's costume department for the first five seasons, spent some time away from the show in season six, then returned with some Twitter-exploding work in the final two episodes of the season, such as Cersei Lannister's funeral black battle dress. Battle dress. <laughs> Sorry. We were thrilled to have Michelle Clapton back for both the ninth and 10th episodes of the season and for season seven and beyond, Benioff and Weiss said in the statement. So from she's responsible for the monochromatic battlefield? Yes! From the, was that Twitter exploding? <laughs> so. From the beginning, her brilliantly groundbreaking work has been so central to the look and feel of the show. Cersei's costumes for the season six finale are the best we've ever had <laughs> and can't wait to see what the incredibly talented Michelle comes up with next year. I mean, I guess I can't dispute the fact that it was Twitter exploding. <laughs> it exploded to, my brain. To be fair, also, mm-hmm. I don't think April did a very good job. I wish I knew her last name, because I know that's a pet peeve of yeah. here, so hold on, let's look this <laughs> up. Well, it's not that she didn't, dis- like, I don't see that she did a worse job than my girl. April Fairy. Uh, no, she definitely did do a worse job you, at all. But what, what was I mean, the, the Ren Faire costumes the, were... I, I can't see Michelle Clapton doing any better. <laughs> Maybe something different, but not better. I don't think she would have committed to Ren Faire. And, like, did they forget that it was in the Reach? And, like, they're supposed to wear those scantily clad Reach lady outfits? Yeah. Yeah, well, April Fairy is, like, an award winner. Apparently she worked on Rome. Well, was Michelle Clapton in charge of all the costumes in the... The last two episodes, including the scantily clad Reach Ladies in the Sept? I guess. <laughs> I don't she know. She has no attention just, for detail? I, or, I don't know. My only hope is that every woman gets an empowered necklace next year. <laughs> well, they're all so empowered. They the all deserve mini, mini weaponry hanging around yeah. Oh, oh my god. This news makes me so happy. Michelle Clapton. I'm just like, I squealed when I saw this news. No, it just... Was the reaction to that, like, battle dress, as they actually called it? Oh my god, I can't believe they actually called it that. Was it actually, like, generally positive and we were, like, in a bubble, or...? I don't see how it could be. Like The reaction to the show has been generally positive, so... But... You know what also got great reviews? What? Austin Austin. <laughs> but, like... It's a... It's a battle dress. Uh-huh. There's two of them. 
With epilepsy. There's two of them. And chains. And like, oh my god. I just can't. And yeah, the monochromatic battlefield. I didn't think that was Twitter exploding, but okay. I mean, what was Twitter exploding was how badass Kit Harrington was in that one pose where he like stupidly killed a horse and then got up and held a sword in a badass way. I guess it was badass, but it was also really stupid. God, I'm trying to think of any other costumes in the last two episodes, but but that Romulan dress is just burned to my <laughs> skull right well, now. There was um, there was Marge's dress with the roses <laughs> on the fabric. Yeah, so we were wrong about her just wearing and revealing Reach dress <laughs> over a turtleneck. And she has like a shawly thing. Yeah, it, it looks Great. in certain shots like that's the case, but no, it's not. Yeah, it's, it was like the full length. It was yeah. And I just love when we saw those shots. We're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Um, I guess there was She's the only also... one dressed appropriately for winter. <laughs> was April in charge of Larry's, like, Lannister armor? Because that was stunning. I think they have separate armors that's separate from the costume okay. design, but I could be wrong about that. Okay, because that was really good looking. Because April held her own, but... Mm-hmm. The Ren Fair. <laughs> it's the puffy sleeves. <laughs> Maybe Michelle clapped and saw it, and she's like, no, no, I need to fix this. Yeah. I don't, I, I These want, women aren't empowered enough. I want the like the drama story behind why she was gone for eight episodes and she came back. I wonder if there's <laughs> drama, or maybe she just like you know wanted some time off to like you know make eat jewelry or something. I'm really excited at the prospect of seeing more white dresses for Danny. Yeah, with like boots and pants underneath because she's so empowered. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to just start randomly dressing her in tar colors because she's like in Weiser off now. Why not? Do you think Filaria is going to still be stomping around in black with shoulder pads? Why not? She's empowered. <laughs> Just like Cheryl. They'll think it's really meaningful that they have similar outfits. <laughs> I hate everything. This is just like... <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the body episode. We can do this forever. Yeah, we really could. But uh, without further ado, we're just going to... It's probably going to be an awkward splice mm-hmm. cut because I don't know... I don't know. I don't know. Let's like, like, do like, uh, jazz hands or something to do the fade. On an audio recording. Yes. That's jazz hands. Well, I think those jazz hands were super effective. So jazz that's a great transition. And you guys have made a really good choice listening to our podcast. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, the Cheryl's, anal- Cheryl's landing analysis. <laughs> okay. So let's start with the Terrells. Um, yeah. What we're going to, what we're going to do instead of like, Oh, no, 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 no. We have to do this on the fly because we didn't plan. What's your highlight? Oh, fuck. We didn't plan. We didn't plan this at all. We were just like, here's kind of what we do want to talk about. I don't, like, I don't know what's my highlight and what's my low light because my first instinct is that that you're the most vile person I've ever met seen, but I don't know if it's my highlight or my low light. Yeah, that show has this effect. Yeah. I mean, like, in terms of, like, in terms of, like, how much this show doesn't make sense on any level and how I enjoy that in an odd way, it's my highlight. Okay. Because just, like, these characters are so poorly conceived. Like, do they think that's moral ambiguity? That you can't tell the bad guys from the good guys? But then they're so insistent that Carol is evil. Yeah, that's what really gets me. I don't understand at all. Yeah. But, like, she's indistinguishable from Elena, who's a good guy? Right? Like, right? I don't know. I don't think they realize that she's indistinguishable. I don't. 
like keep in mind there i don't know i don't know anymore i think they think that she's really evil carol yeah i can't tell you why i can't do highlights and lowlights they're indistinguishable from each other just like the good guys and the bad guys really yeah do you have highlights and lowlights I mean, because, like, low light, a low light for me would be, like... Loris? Yeah. Like, like the implications of, like, the the narrative surrounding, like, the gay man and, mm-hmm. and how it's supposed to be this... It's, like, hiding under this, like, really progressive narrative because it's, like, oh, we hate the homophobes. But then it's, like, all straight... It's, it's, like, all straight people as the actors. And then it's the gay man being, like, weak, just wanting to stop, getting scarification from, like, the, you know, religious iconography religious iconography scar like carved into him mm-hmm. and then blowing up like are you fucking kidding okay, i guess so, if like- i had a highlight it would be natalie dorman's performance mm-hmm. because on the rewatch it was like a it was like a pleasant surprise i think like in the first watching i was just so distracted yeah. by how nothing made sense i didn't notice yeah it. i i agree with that i agree with that this actually it's the opposite of what happened with carol's landing from last year for me yeah where it's like maybe the first time through i was a little appreciative of the performances but then on rewatch i was surprised at how illogical it was mm-hmm. this year is like okay i know it's illogical and that's yeah, what i'm the focusing scales have on fallen from her eyes and where that's concerned completely yeah but then when you rewatch you're mm-hmm. like actually okay like they're trying to make something out of this and you can tell from their interviews like they're into this honeypot deep you know but you know what as a viewer just as a viewer i think my low light has to be like the implications sure but mm-hmm. there's there's also the experience we all had of week after week watching the same scenes yeah. play out I mean, it's not, over and over. It's not as bad when you watch it all together. But I think, no. like, with the week, with the week in between, where, like, we were talking about it, we were, like, wondering what's going to happen next, but then, like, next episode and still nothing has happened, nothing has progressed. Yeah, there's no progression, and it really was... Like, it was the first six episodes, nothing happened. Like, High Sparrow speech. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, Laryl will say that they love each other, do something together. Like, why couldn't the season have opened with the thing with... Like have have Larry come back and have him have that speech with with Carol, and then like later that episode or the next episode have the whole thing in front of the scepter of the armies. Why not? That might be my highlight. Yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> like Larry, like Larry losing track of the king. Yeah, it doesn't get better than that. I'm sorry, that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my highlight is Natalie Dormer's performance. My low light is Elena being a complete hypocrite and the script not being aware of it. Okay. And mine, I don't know, I talked around both. Okay. Highlight, Larry, Larry losing track of the king. <laughs> and low light, either the implications with the Loras plotline or the reverse honeypot implications of Tobin that they mm-hmm. didn't even realize they had. Because um, that really, it needed to be recognized that he was abused and it yeah. wasn't. And, uh, but I think, wasn't that, that what they're trying to do with the suicide, though? No, because they blamed it all on Cheryl. That's right, the fucking outside the episodes, which just Yeah, the outside keep episode interviews, they said this is, this is Cersei's fault and Cersei's fault alone. For not giving him a hug or whatever. Yeah, that's, like, literally what they were saying. Yeah. She failed him in that moment, and she failed him alone. It's, like, Weiss's quote. Mm-hmm. I, I know they said she alone at one point. Or the Spoonella torture might be a little... I don't know. There's a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Let's jump into character analysis. <laughs> okay, so let's start with the Tyrells. Um, a very good place to start. Yeah. Marge and Operation Save Loris. Um, yeah, so, like, I think you did a really good job already mm-hmm. of laying out how Olena's just stupid <laughs> this season. Yeah. But, like, Marge 
March was compelling. And I said this too in my final essay where it's like, she wasn't doing anything in her self-interest or in the self-interest of her house. It was her brother was suffering. She loves him. She wants to save him. Yeah. Like that, that was her goal. I suppose she was actually a good guy. Mm-hmm. For once. But she then you have that reverse... Yeah, you have that reverse honeypot Just manipulate in there. him. Like... Oh, the, uh, the Tom and Honeypot? Yeah. Which... Well, and she was still playing him like a fiddle this... Yeah, and, and like, very obviously, like, you know, trying to make him emotionally dependent on her. So, mm-hmm. it's... But... But, you know, those means, you know, compared to last year... Those means... Those means, like, I I still have to think that they're a bit more justifiable than, mm-hmm. like, last year. And, you know, given the fact that her brother, according to Finn Jones, he might be being raped off screen. Yeah. But he's definitely being abused and, like, definitely being tortured. What does that make the fucking face Taliban, then? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, Hypocritical. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> I don't, there's something, like, because she finds herself in this, like, stupid-ass situation where she's being locked up for fucking perjury. <laughs> and like she's doing her best to get out of it it's just like but the whole situation is so stupid well and then like her plan really sucks mm-hmm. because you know you've got carol who is like accused of high treason who confessed yes. to high treason yes. she confessed to high treason yeah. she's I'm not sure they know that though <laughs> okay. she's accused of incest yeah. and like sleeping with her brother and like She's. They definitely at least know she's accused of high treason yeah. because of of the those implications of of if you know her kids are illegitimate or whatnot, and she's fucking prancing around without a septa. Yeah, with this blue dude, and she's not like, even under house. Like Tommen is the one who told her not to leave the red keep, not the high grandpa. And she's got the blue dude mm-hmm. killing people for her, literally killing people for her. And, like, why is March being persecuted like this? It's, like, worse than Tom Cruise, than uh, Ted Cruz here, with her persecution. Oh, my God. Why <laughs> am I so persecuted? <laughs> no, and so, like, you know, there's there's an issue where it's, like, her deal sucks, mm-hmm. but I don't think they know her deal sucks. Yeah. But then they have all these other things going on in the narrative that make it obvious how much her deal sucks. And I'm sorry. The Tyrell army, the second largest army in Westeros, shows up on the sept. She can tell Larry's leading it, so she knows that it's like a coalition, and it's like, it is on. I understand she went to the effort of getting the Kingsguard new clothes, but... They just don't think about these details. Like, how do you not think about these details? She didn't see this and think, like, she didn't want to give them a signal, like, free Loras? What about Loras? For Highgarden? Like, anything. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, the fact that her plan didn't shift at all when she sees that this army's there? Are you kidding? I mean, Loras is her entire motivation. And why is her dad not marching into the Sept for his son? Why Why was Loras not ever out on bail? I think that, to me, is... If Loras had at least gotten out on bail as a result of this deal, then maybe some of that would be forgivable. Yeah. But, like, you're talking the heir of your house is locked up. You know? For, like... Not, like... I mean, it's more of a crime than perjury, I guess. To just no, like this. This goes back to last season and the fact that they like they wanted her to have sex with Tommen so bad that they ended up locking her up for perjury. <laughs> like, and just that poisons everything this season too. The only thing that saves this is Natalie Dormer's 
desperate attempts to do something with this. And Jonathan Price, by mm-hmm. the way, too. Yeah, he's he, very he, he really kills his, I mean, he's a very talented actor. I think we all could tell that what he was saying was repetitive. Yeah. I mean, he probably could tell too, but he's a pro. <laughs> yeah. At least Ian McShane was like, whatever, it's Tits and Dragons. <laughs> but, like, you know, like, we've discussed this many, many times, Watsonian analysis is useless so why did they go in this direction at all like why was this the path they chose for for marjorie and everyone blows up yeah and then everyone blows up then everyone blows up which and is shocking i guess it's like yeah it's like what's what's the point of even what what what, what is this story supposed to be poor poor everyone who isn't cheryl well marge decides to do something altruistic for once and she gets punished for it that's what the story is yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's that like, yeah, she's the only person. She's the only person who didn't choose violence, and she gets punished for it, right? Mm-hmm. That's the story. And then yeah. solve the mystery. Yeah, I just—it's so freaking bad. It's so fucking bad. Let's t- can we talk about Loras too? Why this is the direction they went? Yeah, because here's I'm, the thing. I mean, they have all sorts of excuses about the actor's schedule and things like that, but just no. Sorry. I mean, why couldn't they have given him that one moment? Yeah, like, uh, he only has two scenes to film. Let's pretend he's being Iron Fist, which actually I think they confirmed that it wasn't even, like, affecting this yeah. at all. It's the same as, as uh, the excuse for Brienne last season. Oh, yeah, she's so busy being Phasma and doing all that stuff as Captain Phasma. <laughs> okay. She probably has an arc on the cutting room floor. <laughs> like, lower the shields. Good job. You could have Skyped in. You could have Skyped it. Loris. But, yeah, no, so, okay, like, even pretending that he's so busy being Iron Fist that he only could film those two scenes. Like, yeah. let's just pretend they only had him for that. You know the end point is going to be all the Tyrells blowing up. Yeah. Have him say fuck you to this. He won't do this. He won't give in to this way. And yeah. he stands Have him up declare the- his love for Renly. He stands up at the end, and, you know, maybe he gets- Maybe they, like- drag him or they sentence him to something bad yeah. it doesn't matter because he's blowing up but he'd have like dignity rather than you know the, it's just this guy it's just this yeah and this have, have, have marge like have a crowning moment of awesome like other than like i mean her she did have a crowning moment of awesome but like have it be about like her arc you know how she decided to save her brother and when he, like, stands up to them, she stands up with him. You know? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It could have been, like, actually interesting. And then we'd be like, yeah, Terrell's! And then they'd blow up. And then that would, like, actually even be worse. But, mm. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, to use a... They use the gay man just as this object in this, like, progressive narrative. And then, like, it, it was... Yeah, it was just, like, this voyeuristic consumption of his his tragedy. Yeah, and just, like, patting themselves on the back for being so against homophobia. And it's, like, so disgusting. It's just so freaking gratuitous. And it was so, like... Of course, like, everything in this plotline... That's the, that's the thing that I get at. Every decision they made in this plotline was gratuitous because they were all going to blow up. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, like, when that is your end point, you have to really justify what's going in between. And I'm sorry, this is what you come up with? Well, she committed perjury, Kylie. <laughs> <laughs> What, so, you, like, you never sinned? I just like when she goes, I didn't do anything. It's like, oh, you really believe you're free of guilt? It's very, like, Jewish mother of him. <laughs> you're allowed to say that. I'm not allowed to say that. Let's play 20 questions to find out what your sin is. 
Uh, I don't even know. Okay, we have to talk about the High Sparrow, don't we? Have we talked about Elena, though? Like... She's stupid! Yeah, like, well, first of all, she won't, she won't go to war, like, she won't go nuclear because, like, the queen, who is her granddaughter, and the heir to her house is in jail. Then, it just seems like the only reason she won't do it is because Carol's suggesting it. Yeah, exactly. So I have to ask, what are she, Pycelle, and Kevin talking about? Yeah, and, like, just... <laughs> and then she leaves because Marge hands her to... She's so confident that Marge has this Loras thing in hand that she can just leave. I don't know if it's that Loras has this thing in hand, but she's conf- she realizes, like, that's really Marjorie telling me to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, okay. Like, that's at least... It, maybe it's a honeypot, but, like... I can accept that, I guess is what I'm saying. Oh, we didn't talk about Elena's final scene! I guess it's technically in porn, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, porn only has two scenes. We gotta gotta save it. Alright, fine. (laughs) But just to rehash, it was okay to team up with Carol in episodes four and six. Mm -hmm. But it was not okay in episodes three and seven. It's it's like a not okay sandwich. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's very pleasing. You know what this reminds me of more than anything else? What? Filaria last season. She was against Larry, and then she did a 180, and she was for him for the duration of one scene so he can have a character development. And then she went back, so she went 360, and she was against him again. And no one told the actor. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that's what this reminds me of. Like, like, she's against Carol, and then when she needs to be with Carol, all of a sudden she's with her. But then she needs to not be with her again, so they just make that happen. Right, you know what, this is what we had to realize, because last year we asked ourselves who's the protagonist, Mm -hmm. but when, you have to just look, when people act erratically, like the High Sparrow isn't the protagonist because he just acts erratically to suit the needs of Cheryl, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. He suddenly thinks she's going to show up to the trial. Why? He has no reason to think that, and actually very specific reason not to think it. Yes. But he he, he has to think it because that's what the script requires him to do because Cheryl needs to blow him up. Yes. So... That's how you know Cheryl's protagonist. Not that there was exactly. any doubt. <laughs> no, there there wasn't, but I'm just saying. So, yeah, let's consider the High Sparrow and his plan. Um, There's so many intersecting honeypots that, like, people mm-hmm. have tried so hard to make him make sense. And, I, you know, credit where credit is due, because some of these are very inventive. But, like, he's a... Yeah, like, he vacillates between true believer and, and mob boss. Yeah. He, he threatens... He was not subtle. Like, he knew what he was doing when he was handling Tommen. Yeah. And he knew what he was doing when he was threatening Olena. So, true believer, like, maybe he's coming from a place of believing this is truly the most righteous path. Yeah, like, um, there's this tendency among early church fathers to make up shit, but then, like, they called it a pious lie. So it's like so a they would, like, edit Josephus and make it seem like Josephus was really into Jesus. But they're like, it's okay, because it's all in the service of the faith, right? So... Right, so it's a means to an end, yeah. basically. So maybe so, he's doing, like, I'm being a mob boss, but I'm being a mob boss for the gods. Okay, so he's very committed to mm-hmm. his Marxist v- vision for... Yeah. I, I just love that D&D so obviously have no understanding of, like, religion. <laughs> but what is it we always say? It's, it's written by someone who's maybe a heard of ecclesiastical jurisprudence, <laughs> but doesn't necessarily know anything about it. Yeah. And, like, what does he want? That's the question. Well, nothing is good enough for him, as you were saying. Like, like, Christ, Marge brings Tommen into the faith, 
gets gets this new alliance for him, convinces Tommen to be, to be the best pious king ever, and like it's still not good enough for him because she loves her family. Yeah, because I I just I don't think I'm still mad at him for not being impressed by her Quran recitation. I mean, she's had like three days to memorize the whole thing. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, she was pretty impressive. Yeah. Are we standing her this year? It's just like unfortunately we're standing the chi- her. The child rape thing is still a thing, but it's, it's not. It's not because the narrative doesn't recognize it. Yeah, like, damn it! I don't, I don't know how I feel about this because I mm-hmm. kind of want to stand her this year, but the child rape. But the child rape isn't there. That's, that's the thing about the child rape that we object to. <laughs> I know, but then we, but but we know it's there. Mm-hmm. And her manipulation of him is still there. But she's doing it for her brother. Her poor gay brother who has to suffer. Oh my god. I mean, because like last year, remember last year Natalie Dormer had that interview where she talks about how Marge is doing this because like Carol is the worst person ever. She has to protect her family. Yes. That actually applies this year. Yeah, that's actually true. Because last year it didn't apply. (laughs) But this year it actually does. Oh, sorry. It's okay. I'll put it on silent. I can't believe it wasn't on silent already. I'm a noob. <laughs> and like, so the highest bird wants to take over the world. <laughs> of course. <laughs> is that what we're supposed to think? It kind of reminds me of when Batfinger is like, you know what I want to sit on the Iron Throne with you next to me? And you're like, oh. Okay. Is it? If you say but so. I, I have no idea what the High Sparrow wants because they already took over King's Landing mm-hmm. last year. So, what more? Again, nothing is enough for this dude. Yeah. I mean, he, like, it's like, it's like Marge last year. She's queen. Why is she still scheming? <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. Because. This is actually like a beautiful parallel between these two characters. <laughs> okay. A parallel of how they're both poorly written? Yeah. It's like, so, are we still supposed to believe that he's, like, the only honest man in King's Landing, as we were told repeatedly last season every outside the episode? And, like, everyone is being really stupid and projecting onto him that he's No! Well, he's being honest in his ski. <sighs> no, he was, like, playing. Is he just, like, a godly man with bad knees? Is that what I'm supposed to think? But then, like, Jonathan Price and Natalie Dormer got together, like, had a beer and decided to make a giant honeypot. No, 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 no. You you have to read those scenes of him manipulating Tom and of him threatening. Mm-hmm. So that's in the script. Oh, Lena, that's clear. But that doesn't, I don't think that necessarily sits in contention with him being honest. He just, it's the means to an end kind of thing. Right? No, not not even honest, but just, like, humble. Yeah, he didn't seem very humble, did he? No, he wants to take over the world for the seven. Yeah, that's not humble at all. <sighs> I don't know, though, because then, like, he became an idiot. Mm-hmm. When the script needed him to. Yeah. So, like, what are we supposed to make of him at all? He does what the script needs? Like, that's such a fucking cop-out. But he does well, what the script okay, needs him to. Here, here's my question. And, right. and, you know, actually, there's almost no reason to ask this, because what did he want the outcome of his trial with Carol to be? It doesn't matter because it never happened. I know. It's exactly like the uh, other thing that never happened last season. The Brienne's plan to rescue uh, Sansa? 
maybe, but it was something. Oh, the 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 trial in Marine um, with Danny. Yeah, it it was never going to be a thing. But um, like, do do they realize that if Carol was found guilty, his power would pretty much go away? Because it, he's definitely not acting in a way that would make Carol think she'd be given a fair trial. No, de- I mean, because we saw Loris's trial right before hers, which vindicated all her fears. Well, yeah, that, and then also, like, sending the thugs to drag her out because yeah. he felt like ta- Like, what did you want to see her about, dude? <laughs> what did you have to possibly say to her? I know, he had this, like, speech, like, he'd written down the notes for a new speech, and he really wanted some to speechify at. I don't know. Yeah, was it just like... He could have called Marge. He seems into it. I want to tell you about my shoes. <laughs> because I want to make a vague reference to the cobbler above. Mm-hmm. He worked really hard on those shoes. Yeah, I mean, they're probably, like, you know, if you added enough value, they're probably worth the money he charged for them. I have a full confession to make. Okay. The first time I watched I Had Fun Once, it was terrible. I I think my brain was physically incapable of actually listening to what he was saying mm-hmm. at that point, because it was already, like, speech number four. But when we were podcasting about it for Fan Wankers the next day, and you were like, he worked really hard in those shoes... <laughs> I had this moment being like, what the fuck happened in this speech? Like, what was anyone talking about? <laughs> so I had to go back and be like, oh, oh, this is what this was. <laughs> but I had no idea. Because, like, my brain could not pay attention to Jonathan Price talking anymore. Not not after however many conversations he already yeah. had. And, like, just the whole... I, had a, I think we had a weird experience watching the show because, like, half my brain was, like, Focused on live vlogging and trying to be funny. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it kind of hampered my comprehension. Well, I don't know. No, I, like, it, it made me think about what, uh, what I was watching a lot more. Yeah. But, like, half of me was like, oh, I have to make a funny comment. <laughs> you know? So yeah. I have to be on. So I, I was really yeah. tired after that. I think I, I think I just missed other things because, like, I, that, you know, Tom and Pycelle had a scene together and mm-hmm. fuck if I remembered that. Yeah. So. That was like, like you know, the the episode finished airing and I was just like exhausted because I had to like, you know, live blog and then it's like fucking highlights and lowlights and I was just like. <laughs> yeah, and like, mm. you know, it was on Sunday nights, the yeah. work week starting. That was always, that was always an adventure. But, you know, I have to tell you, Blood of My Blood was my favorite because that was on a three day weekend for me. And that episode, I mean, it's, it's the Larry, Larry coming to the Sept episode. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Um, back to the high, I think, is that all we could say about the high spirit? Like, it's, it's, he's actually an incomprehensible character. Yeah. Because. I mean, no, this, this is going to be another, like, Carol and Batfinger cycle. It's just, like, there's nothing, there's no way we can make this make sense. Apparently he won, according to Olena. Mm-hmm. And really just because, like, Marjorie told everyone to stand down, I guess. Yeah. But she didn't have to do that. And it wasn't necessarily logical for her to do it. I don't understand what he wants. Like, why is it in his interest to run the whole world? Like, shouldn't he be more concerned with praying and shit? Why is it, if she, if her drive is to free Loris, why was it in her interest to tell everyone to stand down? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? None of this makes sense. Why was it in Larry's interest to not secure the king? <laughs> Larry is kind of slow. Oh my god, that was so bad. That was so bad. It made no sense. I I really can't make heads or tails. I don't mm-hmm. know what we're going to write about. I can't make heads or tails of this character. What about Pycelle and Kyvern? Can you make heads or tails of them? 
Okay, so they, yeah, they, they had like a rivalry framed. Yeah. Where Pycelle was like talking smack on Kyburn, and Kyburn was like, whatever, he's old and stupid. <laughs> so, okay, it kind of makes sense that like he would kill Pycelle mm-hmm. for his own reasons. And Cersei has been, Cersei has hated Pycelle yeah. in the show, or Carol, I'm sorry, has hated Pycelle in the show. Well, because it's like, like creeping on like Tyrell cousins and stuff. And she, like, protects... And Carol is a really good feminist, yeah. so she, like, protects them, like, at the Purple Wedding, when she's like, get, get away from her. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, Carol! Okay, so, like, she doesn't... So, you know, even though he definitely was a Lannister lackey, and there's actually a deleted scene with him and Tywin... Yeah. Where Tywin's like, stop stuttering and stand up straight because I know you're faking it. Yeah. It was kind of a good scene. Like, they did nothing with that. No. It was just, like, a yeah. joke that they had. They're like, every time you see him shuffle away, you're, like, supposed to laugh because you know that he's faking. But yeah, that's that all was... they did with it. Same with, this, same with his, his predilection for sex workers. Yeah. We're just supposed to laugh because he's, like, old and has sex with people who he can employ to do that. And that's really funny. The concept of sex workers is funny, apparently. Yeah. It's what I'm to make of this. But, like, okay. I know, in the kinda, book, he's, like, molesting his servants, so. Like, I guess I'll take this. But, like, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, him him being a Lannister lackey, that has, like, that's not his character in the show. In the show, Carol just doesn't like him. Yeah. What is his character in the show? He's just this, like, creep. Yeah, so, like, maybe maybe that's why she was worried about him talking to Tommen, you know? Oh, I never considered that. She just doesn't trust him. You know, not necessarily. Yeah, because I mean, you had that whole narrative about her protecting him from Marge, so why not protect him from the other creepy man? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, huh. I mean, maybe it's a stretch. But yeah. either way, like, she just hates this guy, and I think she has good reason to, because he's a fucking creep. And, you know, okay, so the question is, what the fuck was it, the random Dance with Dragons dialogue? Yeah, you know, because that's the thing. It totally makes sense that Kyber would want to kill Pycelle, but why did they have to give him Varys's <laughs> dialogue? Which... Does not work here. I mean, I was surprised it didn't start talking about Aegon. You know, like, it would have made as much sense if you had just started talking about Aegon. (laughs) Or maybe if you had, like, talked about how Cheryl had been framed for a rule since she was born. (laughs) Why not? It would have made as much sense. She speaks the different languages. (laughs) She knows how to fish and clean her own socks. (laughs) (laughs) Because really, like he's talking about, you have to like kill the old to bring in the new. And like, dude, do you know that like Cheryl has been there for a really long time? Like, she was married to Robert. She's been in Cheryl's Landing for like twenty five years. Yeah. Like, what are you on? So there's that issue, and then there's the whole like, I bear you no ill will. I'm sorry you had to suffer like this. Why? I thought you didn't like him. Yeah. Why don't you bear him hail will? How is his death a necessary evil? Because Pycelle's completely ineffective at everything. Yeah, and why, like, why did he have to have a separate death? He was going to the Sept to be blown up. Yeah, that's the weirdest part, because this is the dialogue that Varys was using on Kevin. Yeah. Pycelle was just Who already was, had dead. had to be killed in particular. Yeah, and Pycelle would happen to be there as well, because they, basically, they lured him in with, like, Pycelle. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it was Kevin who had to be killed because Kevin was actually the one doing yeah, shit. Yeah, he was competent and that wasn't in keeping with Varys's plan, so he killed him. I love that Cheryl's totally willing to kill Kevin, by the way, in this. Yeah, well, what's Kinsling? Yeah, no, like, 
this is dialogue that was supposed to be, you know, Varys kind of respected Kevin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the Aegon, like, ugh, what was this? <laughs> it was just, like, they thought that they would appease us stupid book snobs, because, oh, look, we have some book dialogue for you. Like, is that how they Or think? this is actually their comprehension of the books. <sighs> as long as someone gets stabbed and says something... And, the, yeah, the choir music coming, oh, <laughs> <laughs> the knives are going in and you're like, um, and then the, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, my favorite part is the organ. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, because it, it really sounds like, like, freaking Phantom of the Opera is about to start playing. Yeah. Because it's like that, like, overwrotten. It's, yeah, it's not quite the Sweeney Todd opening. But... <laughs> All right, I, I, that's all we could say about them. Let's go to Tom Tom. So his characterization and his arc make no sense whatsoever, and I, I think well, it's the whole protagonist thing again. Because first he's he's embarrassed by his failure to not be strong in the real way because his mom is, and his wife are both locked up and he failed. That's a two episode arc. Yep. Yeah. Then he asks his mom for help. No, three episodes. I'm sorry. Yeah, then he asks his mom for help, but that like literally goes nowhere. Well, and she tells him that, like, they'll be strong together and defeat everyone together, right? That literally goes nowhere. It's forgotten. But, like, he was empowered by that conversation with her to go scream at the High Sparrow. Until, like, the High Sparrow just, like, destroys that in the bud and just says a load of nothing to him. He says a load of nothing and and Tommen finds him a lot more, you know. He is. Yes. Um. Never. (laughs) Helpful? Purple? What is he? <laughs> and then Marge convinces him to be pious. So he just listens mm-hmm. to her. And then he, like, then thereafter, he just does everything the High Sparrow tells him to do. Yeah, Marge basically coerces him. This is the reverse honeypot all over again. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you know, maybe he's away from his bu- abuser. She's locked up, right? And he's like feeling you know all upset in his stomach about what happened to his mom but you know he and his mom make up and he's like okay okay what's right is right i'm gonna be upset about the this and you know obviously he doesn't realize he's being abused but then like the second she's free he's kind of like back in her web Mm -hmm. and marge wants him to behave in this way so he does and then she dies and then he can't deal so he commits suicide i mean is he just supposed to be like this stupid kid who just does whatever everyone tells him to do and just the like if you happen to really stupid. If you um, happen like, to be the last person to speak with him, then he'll listen to you. Is that like what he's supposed to be? He is a sounding board for everyone else. He doesn't mm-hmm. he's they, they really put no effort into who he is. And like I'm sorry, his suicide is kind of case in point of this. Cuz like all that was was to enable Cheryl to sit in the throne. Mm-hmm. Cuz they wanted you know? to end on that shot. Not that they did. Yeah. They this wasn't merited. The idea that a king would just be left alone like this? Yeah, that, even that's, if, that's contrived. And, like, even, you know, they, they keep saying, oh, the, her kids are the, the one good thing about her. You know, that's the one redeeming quality she has is her kids. Which, like, no, cause, you know, Carol's a really good character and mm-hmm. had many redeeming qualities. Cheryl's a piece of shit, but Carol's a really good character. But she suddenly doesn't care? Yeah, like the guy who told him the bad news. Like, he doesn't think maybe I shouldn't leave him alone after just telling him that his wife is dead. I mean, I know she had Spoonella to torture, but, like, Spoonella seemed No, it's not stri- just Carol, though. It's not just Cheryl, though. It's everybody else around him oh, who oh, left like him alone. Oh, like, the actual dude? Yeah. Yeah, like, what, like, that Like, actually- Gregor leaves, the dresser leaves. Yeah. Like, does he, does this kid have nobody? 
Like, he doesn't have, like, you know, the servant Isn't who there... cleans out his chamber pot. How about the other Kingsguard? Yeah, well, they're all there with Cheryl at her coronation. Yeah, because basically an entire institution just blew up. Kind of a governmental institution because of this, like, union. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me the Kingsguard is, aren't immediately trying to secure the king? Who's, who's the Lord Commander? Yeah. Who's the Lord Commander now? I don't know. Does King's anyone Guard know Trant before. died? What about, what happened to Aeris Oakard? <laughs> the one who got sent out to Dorna never came back. Yeah. He was there. He was there in season two. <sighs> but hey. Why did the writers not ask these questions? Like, we're just yeah. a couple of boobs on the internet. Like, they have Emmys. Yeah. I was talking to um a couple of friends, and my one friend, he read the books, and he, he really doesn't like the show, so he kind of watches it ironically, mm-hmm. and his wife watches it with him, and she's like, she feels socially compelled to watch the show, but I don't think she likes it. So it's just kind of like asking her, because, you know, he's very on our team with snobbish. snobbish. So I, was like, I what love did this you think? man from a distance. Yeah, and, and she just, he also likes Steven Universe and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so she just starts cracking up, and she was like, everyone blows up. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, and then she she said she thought Tom and suicide was really funny and mm-hmm. came out of nowhere. And then she said it was out of character for she, she called her Cersei. Well, I'm working on it, <laughs> Cersei to have not checked on him. And then she was also like, why did Cersei deal with the Dornish who killed her daughter? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, why did no one deal with this? No, they're like busy making alliances and shit. Okay. The Dornish basically just declared war mm-hmm. on, like, the crown. That was the princess they killed. Yeah. And Larry's solution was it was really dumb, but that's Larry, so whatever, where he just sent Triss back and then sent a letter to Doran. Was that but, a like, solution? But, like, Carol never once yeah. mentioned this? I mean, this? Well, what Larry is reacting to is not that. He's not killing his daughter, it's killing Tristane and taking over Dorne. Yeah. So, like, Madison is forgotten at this point. As upset as something sad that happens to Carol because she can't go to her funeral. I guess you could say, like, she had more pressing concerns, but the fact that it's never even mentioned. Yeah. Like, it's just really fucking weird. It's just really weird. I guess we're done talking about Tommen. Now we're talking <laughs> what... about Carol and how... Yeah. Uh, it says in our notes that she's channeling Arya in episode one. <laughs> Because she's so self-deprecating. She's so self-deprecating. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like, I was a foolish little girl. I should have listened to me. No, that is instead. She's so much better than me. Mm. She's so pretty. And actually, like, Ariane was beating herself up over harm that came to Marcella. Yeah. So. <laughs> it works. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? That is the closest thing to Ariane we've had on our screens. Yeah, well, and uh, Leanna Mormont. Oh, right. Leanna Mormont, the Dornish woman. Yeah. Got yelled at for calling the Dornish woman, but whatever. Yeah, well, she was totally channeling uh, Arya in her second uh, sample chapter. Where she's all like, yo, Golden Company dudes, I have questions. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Maybe she's channeling Alice Ladybright. Maybe. Um, But, yeah, no... The weird thing about the weird thing about Carol, and this is about Laryl actually, mm-hmm. is that the entire season is well, it's Larry de- de- declaring his love for her over and over. Larry flinging babies out of trebuchets for catapults. her, but uh, catapults. Oh my god! <laughs> but like 
every single scene between them was basically Carol being like, oh, everything's sad. And Larry being all... <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about his one scene. That's our son! <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Larry being like, everyone, fuck everyone else. It's just us that matters. We'll show them. Like, it, it's you and me, and we're so in love, and, and we'll we'll punish our enemies. We'll get them. You, you'll see. Mm-hmm. Don't blame yourself. We'll, we'll And basically... Asking for revenge, saying they need to take revenge over and over and over again. So then Carol does, and she like acts on all this. And he when when by the way her back is up against the wall because keep in mind mm-hmm. that tri- like the the no trial by combat she was fucked. And we saw Loris's trial. Yeah, like, was that a fair trial? Fucked. Well, he confessed. He confessed, but- and he got like. No, like, that was not a mitigating factor at all, apparently. No. I mean, like, how could a punishment have been worse than that? <laughs> so, like, yeah, I'm not saying Carol was, Cheryl was justified mm-hmm. in what she did, because nothing justifies, like, mass fucking murder. But she was at least backed up against a wall, and this entire time Larry had been like, let's get revenge, let's show our enemies what's what. Yeah, let's fuck and them all, kill them all. So she does, and then he looks sad. Or concerned. Yeah. He looks concerned. It's like, what? Uh, why? But why? No, like, he had this look on his face, like, I leave you for three days. Because <laughs> apparently that's I how long he left I can't let you before. do anything. And I just saved the, saved River Run. <sighs> and just like, like, you're the one who's been, like, choosing violence since episode one. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love that choosing violence is a thing now. <laughs> Wow. It's one of their better lines. There's not really much to talk about with Larry. He was just completely the Carol's lackey. Yeah. And we'll be doing a separate Riverlands one. Yeah, anything that interesting happens to him happened in that. But In that Terrell army scene that we spent a while on. Yeah, I, I think we've hit all these points. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think, yeah, we've definitely hit that. Did we hit all the points on Cheryl's sequence, though? I know. I suppose we can talk about the... Like, the timeline, I mean, Andy did a very good job of dissecting this timeline, and we've talked about several times. When is this trial? Yeah, because he said, in episode four, they say the trial is in several days, and nothing, I suppose you can honeypot that the whole alliance between the faith and the crown changes the timetable. Why would that? Yeah, I, I like. And 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 keep in mind, Marge is angling for Loris to be released. That's her mo. You're yeah, so she me- probably wants the trial to happen as fast as possible. Right, like they would not push it back unless it's like more dick waving. Yeah, but but they don't mention anything about a change in the timeline. So, but then, but then, but then, Tommen has to announce when it is. Yeah, but Larry said that's in a couple of days. Yeah. Or in several but, like, days. But like Tommen announced when it was happening after Larry already said that. Yeah. So maybe like Carol knew, but it wasn't public knowledge. I mean, and let, let's just ignore the fact that he's gone to Riverrun and the twins, and then all the way back to King's Landing in this time. Like, and so spooky. Yeah. This is all so stupid. It takes like at least two weeks to get to the twins from King's Land if you're riding really hard. Well, he and Brown are fast. It took, like, Arya, like, them. a fucking year to get there. They had an army with them. Yeah, which most of them were on it foot. It took Arya fucking, it took Arya fucking, like, Well, she didn't exactly go directly. Day. 
No, but like Arya in the books, it took like she leaves uh, King's Landing at the end of. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, in the middle of a storm of swords, she finally reaches the twins. <laughs> right, but this is yeah. the show where yeah. Arya got like from Bravos to there in like a week. Yeah. So that was really something. That teleportation there, man. Yeah. The only thing I can really say about the Cheryl sequence is that, like, you can tell how hard the director was trying. He did, I mean, it's stunning to look at. Yeah. If I didn't know the context surrounding it, I might be compelled. Mm -hmm. But he wanted this all to be, like, really meaningful. Like, you know, you can tell, like, oh, Marge is getting dressed and her maid is pulling the stays on the back of her dress. This is meaningful. This is so meaningful. (laughs) And they just... It always comes back to the writing. Mm-hmm. It always comes back to the writing. Sometimes the direction can fuck up. This was not one of the times. This was one of the times the direction was... No, it's just, um, I'm reminded of an episode of FF's Debris where he's talking about a particular episode of Voyager, where he basically said that, like, this episode is like a cake made out of shit. Like, you can appreciate that somebody put a lot of effort into shaping the shit. To look like a cake. Like, it's it's a masterpiece in some ways. But you can't get past the fact that it's made out of shit. <laughs> like, the directing is fine. Like, even the costumes are okay most of the time. You know, the acting, we've talked about um, how impressed we are. Honey. They're serviceable most of the time. Like, they actually look nice, even if they make the no sense. The outfit of Supreme Evil, which you, your girl Michelle Clapton had a return. Mm-hmm. How to make her triumphant return to design. It's not an ugly costume. It just makes no sense. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not going to complain about the costumes. Like, they look fine. I mean, they're they're anachronistic and they're stupid, but, like... It's Empress... Empress Cece's... Yeah, like, why does she need... Hand-me-downs. Why does she need two dresses of Supreme Evil with similar detailing? It's, it's, it's the whole thing with, like, deadpans, identical, but different white dresses. Um, but, but, like, who's... Who's... But just, like, you can't get past the fact... That none of this makes sense. The setup and the characterization just aren't there. You can't make this meaningful no matter how hard you try. And no matter I how you I still want to know who are. the court is at the coronation. <sighs> they weren't all in the septs, just all of the faith militant and all of the, like, clergy. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't all the faith militant. What, you think they're going to come back in season seven? I don't fucking know. I don't know anything. My endgame prediction went up in smoke. Yeah, you want to talk about that? Yeah, so I don't remember, I think it might have been on one of our inbox hours, mm-hmm. right? Where I was talking about how I think it was going to be a Tyrell endgame in Game of Thrones, like, that the Tyrells would somehow, like, ally with Danny or something. Well, they, they have which, done that. Which maybe I'm not completely wrong, but, like, I thought specifically, like, I can't believe they killed Marjorie. Yeah. I can't. Um, I thought they really, really were enamored with her. Uh, well, that's how, and, that's how bold they are. Yeah. They're so bold saving all those, uh, paychecks. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, I, I mean, it. I, I guess, good job. They managed to surprise me. It was just a guess at where they were going because they seemed so thrilled with Marge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess now that I think about it, like, they probably only have so much space for people, hot young women. Yeah, well, they have, this, they have to tie this up in 13 episodes, right? Right, and, like, Marge wants to be the queen. That's her aspirations. And, like, you can't, you know, that's going to clash with Danny. Yeah. So... So why not just have like sassy Olena out for revenge, making making jokes? She's she commands the Tyrell fleet apparently. 
And she has no family left, is what she said. So who is inheriting Highgarden is anyone's guess. Her, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then who? Like a red wine? Like who? (laughs) Yeah, I think you, you know, horror and slobber. All the Torellas were in the sept. (sighs) Yeah. Even Mega. (laughs) Poor Mega, our default (laughs) Torell. Oh god. Like, I don't, I don't freaking know. I don't know, man. I don't think there's much more to say because it's so... The show is divorced of logic, yeah, John like, Snow. We've been talking for two and a half hours and I feel like we've said nothing. Here is a question I get a lot. And I think this is going to be a segment that we're going to do at the end of all of these. Mm-hmm. Called Ask Polar Checklist Effect. It's our new favorite um, game! Ask Polar Checklist Effect because I get asked all the time... Mm-hmm. Could you ever see Cersei doing something like this in the books? Yeah. Yes? That's your answer? No. You get asked that question a lot. Yeah, so what's your answer? You have to be more specific. Do you think this is a checklist effect and we might see something similar in the books? Or is this a complete D&D ass poll? You have to be more specific. (laughs) Cheryl blowing everyone up in the sept. I can see something vaguely similar happening because... There, there is a Chekhov's wildfire. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what the author plans on doing with it, but it's there. It's been there since, like, at least a Clash of Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some indication that she survives her trial and is in power in the Winds of Winter. I'm less compelled by that, but yes, okay. Um, I mean, if you're at, what is this, what checklist, what checkbox are they checking off? Is the checkbox that Cersei somehow manages to regain political control in King's Landing? That checkbox I can, I can buy. The checkbox Cersei, uh, Cersei kills everybody? Not so much. Yeah, no, that's the checkbox that I get asked a lot about. I, like. And people, and people seem to think, like, yeah, it'd be reasonable. This is such lazy writing. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean... Just stick everyone in a room and blow it up. Like, I, I never want to say, like, you know, I can see... Because it, it's kind of like we talk about, like, the Jasper Redemption arc. Like, I kind of trust those writers to make that work, even if I can't see it happening. Mm-hmm. Like, Same with Martin. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I have no idea how that would happen, but if he decided he wanted that to happen, I kind of trust him to make it work. It's like it's like Cersei marrying Euron. Yeah. <laughs> like that. <laughs> Yeah. You think that like will happen possible, in the show? Like, what? You think that will happen in the show? Wait, remember how everybody was talking about Clegane Will? Oh my god, that was so funny. Mm-hmm. Why did they even bring back Sandor? I mean, I know that's another... Yeah, that's another episode. Another episode, and... Yeah, Clegane Will is like a fat sack of crap right now. Uh, ass polar checklist, Tommen's suicide. Well, Tommen's gonna die. Mm-hmm. In the books. Well, the word of God is that there'll be, like, a revolving door. Yeah, no, word, word, word of God is that there's going to be more asses on the mm-hmm. Iron Throne, and, and that uh, Tom and Tom and's out of there. And I also do think, I, I don't think the prophecy is this, like, you know, hand of God acting, mm-hmm. but I do think Cersei will lose more, like, more of her kids. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Because it's, like, self-fulfilling. And she's, yeah. She's mm-hmm. very good at self-fulfilling those prophecies. A suicide? I don't. No, I really don't. But I mean, I'm th- think about the context. Yeah, though. like he commits suicide because he watches everyone blow up. Like, 
I don't see that happening. No, no, I don't know. I really don't. I mean, like, Book Tommen would never be in that situation. Like, we talked about how contrived it was that he was alone in that room. Book Tommen's eight. Yeah. To be suicidal at eight, like... It's possible. It's possible. But, yeah, I don't... I don't see how it could happen. I really don't. I mean, again, maybe. (laughs) But we're just... We're too... We're too scientific to say that it won't happen. Yeah. That's why we suck at this game. I would guess asshole. Okay. But the, like, then we suck at this game. Then then who cares? We could be wrong. We can make wrong predictions. Mm. What's left? Uh, um, hmm. Asshole or checklist, Cersei is actually crowned queen, like, regnant. I don't see how she could be. If all her children are dead. Uh-huh. That's not how succession works. It's not how succession is supposed to work on the show, either. <laughs> That seems like a really big ass pull, though, if it doesn't happen. What, you what know? You like, I'm pretty sure John is going to be king in the north in the books. Yeah. But I can't... Would they really just, like, make her freaking Queen Cheryl they without... Sansa. <sighs> they had Ilaria kill Doran. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of how to answer this. Yeah. I'm going to guess ass pull. I think I agree. Okay. So, so far, we have Aspel for Cersei murdering everyone. Mm-hmm. Aspel for Tommen's suicide, but checklist for his death. Yeah. Aspel for Cersei being crowned. Okay. So, let me, th- I'm trying to think of what else is left. Because the High Sparrow. I mean, there's nothing to talk about Elena. Elena's, like, not exactly out of play, but she's nowhere near King's Landing, so. Do you think she'll come back for Marge's trial in the books? No. No. No, okay. I mean, she didn't like show up for her arrest, you know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, maybe she's there and nobody's mentioned it. <laughs> I mean, she might be there. Like, maybe she's really that worried about it. But it also seems like they're assuming she's going to get off. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, Aspel or checklist Marge, and some kind of shenanigans with the faith, and a show of piety. A fake show of piety. Yeah, because she's already doing the whole performance of piety thing. <laughs> yeah, she's already doing this. That's the that's the problem. I it, it it's probably checklist E because I don't think they understand Marge's character in the slightest. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know that there's much else we can play this game with because no. it's all. First of all, not a lot happened. Yes. Yeah. And second of all, what did happen was so fucking <laughs> like like Aspel or checklist, you know. Jamie forgets to secure the king with <laughs> staging a, a like like no like you you can't you know as as polar checklist the Tyrells will have some sort of military action against the faith hmm I could see that happening yeah yeah like if the trial doesn't go the way they like for example yeah I could see this being checklist okay I could because like the thing like it has to be so like because the situation is so incredibly different like first of all marjorie isn't arrested for perjury she's arrested for adultery and high treason second there's no loris being arrested for buggery like he's off uh, you know dragonstone possibly dying so dying isn't dead yeah there's like you know here's here's the thing i think what's gonna happen is that we're gonna read winds of winter and be like oh that's what they were going for like but we can't even possibly imagine what that oh that's what they are going for is about. That's my guess. Yeah. yeah. It'll be some it'll be something like, oh, Sansa was supposed to be Jane Poole. 
kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, and like, had Dance with Dragons not been released when all this gothic horror shit was going on, we would have had no fucking idea. That's you know? true. And we then we would have read Dance with Dragons and be like, oh, her friend Jane Poole, who we saw for three seconds. Yeah. Oh, this makes more sense. Yeah, but doesn't actually. St- I mean, okay. <sighs> no, no, no. I mean, um, like the books would. Yeah. Yeah, I don't but know. like, um. Then it's back to the question about how much D&D actually know about the last, like, the rest of the story, which is an open Apparently, question. Apparently, they went through every single character and found out where, like, the, the broad strokes. Yeah, but the broad strokes. And, like... But of every character. Yeah, George R. R. Martin is still, like, he's, like, you know, he's a gardener. He's still changing shit. So, like... And he thought of a twist, an exciting twist, but the show can't do it and will take things in very different directions. Yeah. Do it, George. <laughs> Do it if you feel it makes sense. Don't do it. Yeah, he will. He's uh, he's obviously thinking about it, and I think he does have a, a lot of integrity. So yeah. you know, I'm not too worried. Can when's it want to be released? Please take all the time you need. No, like this is really bad, man. Yeah. It's 2016. Uh, I have so much empathy for you, man. But you got to get that book out. <laughs> For your own sake, for the sake of your legacy, please. If there's something I can do to help, I'm here for you. Game of Thrones is the only ending you're gonna get. Fuck off. I yeah. No, like can, just that argument could just go die. No, just, no, but just like the idea that there's a possibility that they'll give us an ending for a song of ice and fire. Just like no, like we're in an alternative universe now, and just stop it. <sighs> So, is there anything else we can play Aspel or Checklist with? I have, can't think of how. Have fun editing this, by the way. This is going to be great. Yeah, you know, I really don't see... I, I'm sure there is other Aspel Checklists. Like, mm-hmm. maybe Olena will call Cersei the most vile person she's ever met. <laughs> Who knows? But I think I, I think we just won't be able to even conceive of mm-hmm. such a question. Yeah. Um. Will, oh, 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 here's one. Here's the last one. Aspel or checklist, Jamie gets kicked out of the King's Guard. Aspel. Yeah, that's what I think too. <laughs> he's quite committed to the King's Guard thing now. Yeah. And he's kind and of like, in this like completely different situation. <laughs> like completely. And like it was very obvious, like we need him to go to the Riverlands, but how? <sighs> we need him so we need him out of the way for a couple episodes. And then we need to bring him back randomly. Yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be a fun one to write mm-hmm. alright well I think I think you and I have our work cut out for us with yeah. this but I, I don't know talking... this is two parts <laughs> I'll chop it our wonderful USB listeners don't seem to care no. we pull up sorts of shenanigans like releasing three hour long episodes they're, they're awesome they don't care yeah and like waiting like five months in between them mm-hmm. we really do appreciate this yes so. like the fact that we have more than two listeners is just wow yeah like ubs is kind of like our guilty pleasure Mm -hmm. like we just we clearly don't plan it as well (laughs) as we could we we gotta we gotta get out of here we gotta go we have to go (laughs) we i was gonna try to make a reference to something on the show but i already forgot everything that happened Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right um 
drop by our inboxes. Oh, we're on Tumblr too. I think you probably know that because that's how I like post these episodes. But yeah. I'm GOT Gifts and Musings, and Julia is the cultural vacuum. Um, definitely check out, you know, fandom following. We'll, you, that's where our retrospectives will be posted first. Mm-hmm. So you'll be getting more of these podcasts too coming up. And then let us know any honeypot that makes sense for why Lancel ran away. Yeah. Uh, it's to chase the little boy. Yeah, we should have like a we- honeypot like Hall of Fame. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> we, we people wanted uh, Carol Awards for the best honeypot, but like I don't want to be mean about it because some of them are like really interesting. Yeah, but yeah, definitely, definitely send any honeypots our way because this is just the force of logic, Jon Snow. <laughs> All right. Um. Good night, we'll everyone. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>